This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 218. So since today is Sunday, January 23rd, 2022, as usual, I'm covering the weekly news and rumors roundup from the big four rumor sites of Canon Rumors, Nikon Rumors, Fuji Rumors, and Sony Alpha Rumors. So let's head on over to Canon Rumors and see what they have for us this week. Let's do this. First up, here are some Canon EOS R5C specifications. Here are a lot of official specifications for the Canon EOS R5C. A compact and lightweight, the EOS R5C is a true hybrid camera, boasting many of the video formats and features from the Cinema EOS lineup, as well as many of the stills capabilities of the R5 in a beautifully designed body. The EOS R5C is a complete package that offers filmmakers, multimedia journalists, and advanced amateurs a cost-effective 8K, 4L, and FHD camera to help unlock their creative potential. Canon's 45-megapixel full-frame CMOS imaging sensor is at the heart of the R5C camera's superb image quality, which also leads the way for an impressive 8K 60p raw cinematic video shooting. Focus and speed are paramount in the R5C camera, providing impressive continuous capture at speeds of up to 20 frames per second, and with dual-pixel CMOS AF2 capability to track split-second movements of even the most elusive subjects. With the 1.053 automatic AF zooms, it is easy to photograph people with the use of eye, face, and head detection AF, or intuitively track the whole body, face, or eye of cats, dogs, or birds with the animal detection AF. For those with the need for speed, Canon has also included vehicle subject detection to assist with accurate tracking of cars and motorcycles. Now, there are some great images in this article, which you can check out in the show notes for yourself. As previously reported, the biggest difference in the bodies is that the is that the LCD sits out further and resembles the EOS C70 in that regard. Now, for the full Canon EOS R5C specifications, supports 8K 60p internal RAW or Cinema RAW light recording, HDMI 8K RAW output to a compatible recorder. 8K 30p 12-bit RAW recording, 8K 60p via external power source, 8K HDR recording, PQHLG. Internal cooling fan enables non-stop 8K 60p recording, advanced connectivity with multifunction accessory shoe, expanded interface for professional needs, carries on the ergonomic design of the EOS series. Full-featured 13 assignable buttons, 8K sensor with Digix 10 processor with 4K and 2K oversampling. Simultaneously record different formats. Time code in-out terminal, an XF, AVC, and MPEG-4 codexes for 10-bit 422 video. 
up to 4K 120p slow and fast motion recording mode in 422 10-bit. Simultaneous audio record enabled with HFR. Wide variety of recording formats. Canon Log 3 expands expressive uh, possibilities. Enhanced image stabilization. The rest was cut off. All right, now as far as accessories, I've been told that there will be a special wall power accessory for the R5C. I don't have any more information on that at this time. Recording media, CF Express slot type B and SD card UHS-2, same as the R5. Recording formats, 8192 by 4320 full frame. Raw LT is 2,570 megabits per second at 59.94p. 2140 megabits per second at 50p 1290 megabits per section uh, per second at 30p and 1070 at 25p 1030 megabits per second for 2398 24p raw 8 1980 megabits per second for 30 frames per second 1650 for 25 and 1580 for 24. 5932 by 3140 Super 35 millimeter. Raw LT is 1260 megabits for 60p, 1140 for 50, 679 for 29p, 566 for 25, and 544 for 24. Raw R8, 2090 megabits per second for 60. Uh, 1750 for 50, 1050 for 29, 871 for 25, and 836 for 24p. Raw HQ, 2120 megabits per second for 30p, 1770 for 25, and 1700 for the 24p. 2976 by 1570, super 16 millimeter. A raw LT is 344 megabits per second for 60p, 287 for 50, 172 for 30, 221 for 25, and 212 for 24. Uh, and the rest of it's just uh, some other raw formats. Uh, CF Express card recording time, 512 gigabyte card, cinema raw light, 24 minutes if you're at 2570 megabits, and it extends from there all the way up to 76 minutes if you're using 836 megabits. Um, so it is very impressive. At MPEG 4, you can record at 35 megabits per second for 1834 minutes. There will be more to come in the next few days as more information rolls out before the official announcement, which was on January 19th. So I do have some more articles on this. Just bear with me. Next up, you can now pre-order the Canon EOS R5C. Uh, you can pre-order the body for $4,499 at B&H Photo and Adorama. Next up, from January 19th, Canon officially announces the EOS R5C. Uh, there's some fantastic images in this story. I'm not going to read everything because most of it is the stuff that I covered in the previous article, the very first article at the start of this episode. And again, uh, pricing is $44.99. Availability will be March 2022. So a lot of exciting news on this new R5C camera. Next up, new Canon EOS C70 firmware update answers the top demands of professional end users. Uh, 
Offering uh, Cinema Raw Light Internal Recording, the addition of Cinema Raw Light Internal Recording to the EOS C70 camera further enhances the recording capabilities of what's already a powerful digital imaging machine. This compact cinema camera can now capture 12-bit Cinema Raw Light internally to compatible SD cards. Cinema Raw Light captures the widest dynamic range from the dual gain output sensor, 16 plus stops of total dynamic range and allows the most flexibility to grade captured content. Three quality settings of Cinema Raw Light will make their way into the EOS C70 via the firmware update. The settings are Raw HQ or high quality, Raw ST standard quality, and Raw LT light recording. All three modes are 12-bit regardless of frame rate. Lastly, Cinema Raw Light is compatible with proxy and double slot recording. Frame and interval recording modes. The addition of frame and interval recording modes is a direct result of user feedback and adds even more recording flexibility to the C70 camera by allowing easy creation of stop motion and time-lapse sequences when recording in the XF-AVC and MPEG-4 formats. Frame recording is for stop motion capture and every press of the record button captures a user-determined number of frames. Interval recording sets the interval and number of frames to be captured for time-lapse sequences. Both recording modes help operators further tell their story in a more creative and inspiring form and are simple and easy to use. The firmware update will not be available to download until March of 2022. So just keep that in mind. And last up for Canon Rumors for this week, what is next for the Cinema EOS line? When I first reported back in May 2021 that an EOS R5C was coming, I also talked about a new version of the C300, 500, 700 Cinema EOS cameras. The joys of the pandemic hit, and it seemed everything for the Cinema EOS lineup was stuck. This is what I reported back in April of 2021. The Canon Cinema EOS C300S, 8K Super 35mm, 8K 60p, 4K 120p in all modes. A BSI stacked 3.2 UM uh, 8K DGO sensor, dual pixel autofocus, 16 stops of dynamic range in DGO mode, 10 millisecond readout in 8K DGO mode, and dual digit 10V8 image processors. For the Cinema EOS C500S, all of the same specs uh, except 17 stops of dynamic range. Now, for the 700DR, full K, 4K full frame, 4K 240p in fast mode, 180p in WDR mode, BSI stacked 9.6 uh, 4K WDR sensor, 20 plus stops of dynamic range, 5 millisecond readout in 4K WDR mode with dual digit DV8 image processors. Now, for the Canon RF mount cinema prime lenses, there was rumors of a 14mm T1.5, an 18-1.5, a 24-1.3, a 35-1.3, a 50-1.3, 85-1.3, an RF 100mm T1.5, and a 135mm T1.5. There will also be two new Cinema Compact zoom lenses for full frame, as well as two larger new Cinema zoom lenses. I was told recently, as recently as last week that we'd be seeing new modules for both the Cinema EOS C300 Mark III and the C500 Mark II announced later this year. 
The NAB show 2022 is still scheduled for April, but I'm not sure if Canon is going to follow through with their attendance at the show if things go sideways again with the pandemic. I'm still confident a lot of this information will be correct, but plans may have changed due to the delays from the semiconductor shortage globally. I hope to have some clarity on the lineup in the near future. For now, I think Cinema EOS gets some new gear, and then we'll see a lot of EOS R-Series gear announced in the second half of 2022. And I do agree with him 100% there. 2022, Canon is going to go all out, gangbusters, with releasing new stuff for the EOS R-Series. More lenses, more bodies, just more capabilities all around. And they're not going to be the only one. I think we're going to see a lot of big announcements from all of the camera companies in 2022. How badly the semiconductor shortage is going to affect it all? Well, that's the magic question, folks. All right, now let's head on over to Nikon Rumors and see what they have for us for this week. First up, Nikon Nikkor Z400mm f2.8 TC VRS lens announcement confirmed for tonight. This was from January 18th. Price north of 13 k and could be even as high as 14 k I can now confirm that the new Nikon Nikkor Z400mm 2.8 TC VRS lens will be officially announced. Shipping will start in four to six weeks, as previously reported. I was told the U.S. price of the lens will be north of 13K, I reported earlier, and much closer to 14K, you have been warned. Okay, final update, U.S. price will be $14,000. Yikes. Next up, Capture One for Nikon is now discontinued. Today, Capture One announced that their Nikon-specific version is already discontinued. You can still purchase the latest version 22 from B&H Photo. The full Capture 21 or Capture One 2020 or 22 flagship product is $100 more expensive than the Nikon branded version. If you already have a perpetual license for version 22 of Capture One for Nikon, you'll get a free upgrade to the full version of Capture One Pro in early April of 2022. Unless I am missing something in the fine print, I think it makes sense to purchase Capture One 22 for Nikon today from B&H Photo for $199 and then get a free upgrade to the full version, which is worth $299 in April, which does make a lot of sense if you want to save money. Next up, the Nikon Z72 firmware update version 1.31 released. Nikon released this firmware update with a single fix, improve the accuracy of autofocus with poorly lit subjects and photo mode when single AF was selected for the focus mode. You can download that from the official Nikon site specific to your region. Next up, the Nikon Nikkor Z400mm f2.8 TC VRS mirrorless lens uh, for Z-mount announced price at $14,000, as I mentioned a moment ago. Uh, you can pre-order it at Adorama, B&H Photo, Amazon, Paul's Photo, Service Photo, Camera Canada, and in Europe at Calumet DE, Calumet NL, Photocotch, Park Cameras, and Wex UK. There are a lot of uh, charts and a lot of technical information here on the lens, as well as some beautiful photographs that you can check out for yourself. Uh, the lens is priced at $13,999.95. So you have been warned. It's an expensive beast, but I'm sure it's going to be top-notch quality for that price. 
Next up, the Nikon Z9 is now available for pre-order at Amazon once again. Shortly after the Nikon Z9 was officially announced, Amazon stopped taking pre-orders and at one point even completely removed Z9 listings from their website. It seems that Amazon briefly opened the pre-orders when they knew a Z9 shipment was coming. This happened a few times already. The good news is that Amazon US just opened again their Nikon Z9 pre-orders. The list will be removed again shortly. Update, pre-orders are already removed as expected. Stay tuned for the next in-stock alert. I think there's a very good chance that the few lucky readers who ordered the Z9 today will get it soon. Update, it seems that Best Buy operates the same as Amazon. Check their website for Z9 availabilities. Now again, if you want to pre-order your Z9 in the U.S., you can do so at Adorama, B&H, Amazon, Pulse Photo, Service Photo, and in Europe at Calumet. NL, Calumet DE, Photo Earnhardt DA, Photo Koch DE, and Wex UK, and in Canada at Camera Canada. So there you have it. As far as that information on pre-ordering your Z9, it's going to be hit or miss whether or not you can find the pre-order page because retailers put it up when they're available and then take it down again when they are not. Next up, Nikon Japan issued update release dates for several of their new products. Uh, let's see, I'm a bit confused since many of the lenses listed are already shipping. Scheduled release date, January 28th, 2022, which is a Friday. The Nikkor Z24-120 f4s, the Nikon Z28-75 f2.8, the Lenshood HB102 for the Z24-120, and the Lenshood HB93A for the Z28-75. Scheduled release date of February 4th, which is a Friday, for the Nikkor Z100-400 f4.5-5.6 VRS and the Lenshood HB103 for that lens. Scheduled release date, February 4th, 2022, uh, Arcrest uh, Protection Filter, 46mm, in a cool shot case, CSCSS21. The source of this article is Nikon Japan. Next up from Nikon Rumors, the new Nikkor Z 400mm f2.8 TC VRS lens accessories are very expensive. Coming soon is the Nikon HK42 lens hood for the Nikkor Z 400mm, priced at $1,070, available for pre-order. Coming soon, the Nikon CPL 460 slip-in circular polarizer, available for $512. The Nikon CLL3 lens case for the Nikkor Z400 at $291, and the LCK105 front lens cap for the Nikkor Z400 millimeter at $8295. Those are some crazy accessory prices. And it looks like Nikon, I guess, has released an adapter that allows you to use polarizing folder uh, filters. Um, within the adapter to go from F mount to Z mount. Same thing Canon did when they offered, first offered the R, they offered three adapters, a standard EF to R, an EF to R with control ring, and an EF to R with drop-in filters that you could buy. But man, Nikon is charging a heck of a lot more for their stuff. Crazy. $512 for the circular polarizing filter. That is not with the adapter that it slips into. That's just for the filter. Now, the one I bought for my R cameras, I think was like 200 bucks, and I thought that was expensive, but man, 512 just for a circular polarizing filter. That's a lot of money. You better have some deep pockets if you're gonna buy this Z equipment.
Next up, Tokina announced a new SZ 500mm F8 Reflex MF Super Tele lens for Nikon F and Z mounts. Today, Tokina announced this new SZ 500mm F8 Super Tele lens. Uh, connected via an adapter. Pre-orders are coming soon at B&H Photo. There are some beautiful photographs of this. Now, keep in mind, this is what's called a mirror lens. So if you're looking for high image quality, you're not going to get it from a lens like this. However, some people do like to have it, especially for taking photographs of the moon. Some people even use them for wildlife, even though you don't get the sharpest results. Yeah. It's up to you if you want to try it or not. I played around with one a number of years ago and didn't much care for it. I got rid of it fairly quickly. And the last up from Nikon Rumors for this week, new field-made labels for the Nikon Z9 camera in the latest Nikkor lenses. Fieldmade introduced several new label sticker sets for the Z9 camera and the latest Nikkor lenses that are now available for sale on their website. You got the Nikon Z9 camera indicator sticker, the Z9 camera special edition silver foil, the Z24-120 F4S, the Z100-400 indicator, the 28-75, and the 800mm indicator stickers. I also have an exclusive discount code, Nikon Rumors 10, to get 10% off their products. And they are some beautiful stickers. And these guys, they, they hit a really cool niche because I don't think anybody was ever doing this before. And they make absolutely gorgeous lens stickers. I'm thinking about getting some for my R-Series gear as well as my GFX stuff. But we'll wait and see. Um, I think I priced it out, and if I added to the cart everything I wanted, even with the Nikon Rumors discount, I think it was going to cost me about 70 bucks. But that's not too bad, because I have a lot of lenses, and I have four camera bodies. So, not too bad to get all those sticker packs for about 70 bucks. And I think that was with shipping included, because I think if you hit 50 bucks or more, they throw in the shipping for free. But don't quote me on that. I'm not going to say that's gospel, okay? All right, so let me take a short break right here, and we'll be right back with Fuji Rumors. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191, and you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com, and you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag. Liam Photo Podcast. And now back to the show. And we're back. All right, now we're going to head on over to Fuji Rumors and see what Patrick has for us for this week. First up from Fuji Rumors for this week, Godox V860 Mark III F Series, now 10% off. This uh, speed light released back in the summer of 2021 is now available with a 10% rebate at Amazon US by using the code 637A as in Alpha, T as in Tom, Y as in Yankee, Z as in Zulu, T as in Tango at checkout. Uh, the deal is slated to end on January 23rd, but there are a limited number of models left, so it might be better to grab one soon before they are all gone. You can order this speed light at B&H Photo, Amazon, U.S., and Adorama, but the discount is only good on Amazon. 
Next up from Fuji Rumors, Capture One ends Fuji Film Edition, but offers free upgrade to full version to Capture One 22 model uh, version Fuji Film only users. If you are a pure Fujifilm shooter, chances are that you got Capture 122 for Fujifilm only, as this version is substantially cheaper than the full Capture 122 version that supports all cameras. However, Capture One announced that starting today, they will terminate all branded versions, meaning you'll be able to purchase only the all-camera version going forward. And indeed, you can't find the branded versions on their store anymore. Capture One will still support the branded versions for two more years with updates. Down below are the deals for Capture One offers in light of the latest changes, including a free upgrade. If you currently have a subscription for Capture One for Sony, Nikon, or Fuji, or own a perpetual license for any of those three releases that were bought before uh, December 9th, 2021. Given that the Fujifilm branded Capture One version is still available for download of B&H Photo at this point, maybe it's not a bad idea to quickly grab a Fuji-only copy of B&H Photo and then get the free upgrade to all-camera version in April of 2022. The above is valid if you own Capture One 22 for Fujifilm already, you'll get the free upgrade. If you own Capture One 21 for Fujifilm, then Capture One says that for the next three months until... April 18th, you'll be able to upgrade to Capture One Pro 22 at a 25% discount. You can find all the details down below in this article in the show notes. So, yes, keep that in mind. Capture One for camera-specific versions is no longer available, except if you get it at B&H Photo. That means Capture One for Fuji, Capture One for Nikon only, or Capture One for Sony. Now, I've used Capture One for a great number of years myself, love the software. I have always bought the perpetual license for the all-camera version. And that's because, as you know, I shoot both Canon and Fuji GFX. So it just made sense to me to get the universal version, especially since they didn't offer a Canon-specific one. Next up, celebrating five years of Fujifilm GFX series. Five years ago, Fujifilm's decision became obvious to all of us. Unlike everybody else, we are going to skip full frame, but build up the best APS-C system in the known universe and offer as an alternative to full frame a medium format mirrorless system. The result was the Fujifilm GFX series. And well, the GFX series turns five years old as of January 19th, 2022. It all started with the launch of the original Fujifilm GFX 50S on January 19th and the slogan, The Game Has Changed. I remember at that time lots of skeptical comments, especially by influencers who believed that only full frame mattered. But looking back, I guess much of that skepticism has dissipated by now, given that Fujifilm is now offering medium format mirrorless cameras with the GFX 100S that are smaller than some of the full-frame mirrorless cameras like the Panasonic S1 series and offer more megapixels at an affordable price than some of the full-frame mirrorless cameras such as the Sony A1. Sure, all of the cameras we mentioned above have other strengths such as video or speed, but all I want to say is that Fujifilm GFX series is finding a solid ground on which to flourish. So here we are, five years, five GFX cameras, and 13 lenses later with more to come to celebrate a wonderful system that has terrific potential for the future. 
Congratulations, Fujifilm. You can order the GFX 100S at B&H Photo, Amazon, Adorama, Focus Camera, and Moment. You can get the GFX 50S Mark II at B&H Photo, Amazon, Adorama, Focus, and Moment. You can get the Fujifilm GFX 100 at B&H Photo, Amazon US, and Adorama. The 50R at the same three retailers and the original 50S at the same three retailers. And there are some beautiful celebratory videos from Fuji to celebrate their fifth anniversary of medium format mirrorless. Next up, happy birthday. Fujifilm turns 88 years old today. This is from January 20th. January is a month full of celebrations. The X-Mount became 10 years old. Fuji Rumors became 10 years old. The GFX series became five years old. Well, today, January 20th, we have to celebrate another important milestone. Fujifilm turns 88 years old today. Few companies had a more exciting journey with incredible highs and lows like Fujifilm. But even in the darkest hours, they always found a way out of it. Fujifilm has proven to be a creative and innovative company also with the Fujifilm X-Series. At the time Fujifilm started to offer mirrorless cameras, there were already lots of other MILC systems out there from Sony, Panasonic, Olympus, etc. Fujifilm did join more or less at the same time with Samsung. And while I remember the huge marketing effort Samsung did to become popular with their MILC systems and some groundbreaking cameras like the Samsung NX1, Samsung failed where Fujifilm succeeded. As opposed to Samsung, Fujifilm did not deliver cameras with groundbreaking specs, nor did they spend tons of money in marketing their cameras. What they focused on was to look for what was missing for us photographers, and that was reasonably priced cameras that looked great and had lots of dials, manuals, and controls that were a lot of fun to use. The whole system was designed for a niche that appreciated feel, form, function, and fun over just camera specs. So the Samsung NX1, which tried to compete with Sony and company in terms of specs, and it did beat them at that time, failed miserably, whereas Fujifilm carved out its niche, a niche that grew over the years, also thanks to more mainstream cameras like the XS10 and the GFX100S, so that it now became the third most sold mirrorless camera system. Look, I run Fuji Rumors for 10 years now, and the X system has been called dead since ever by all possible influencers. Every time a new full-frame camera came out, many influencers said sensor size matters, and hence APS-C is dead. And when Fujifilm launched a system with a 70% fuller sensor than full-frame, the same influencers rushed out to scream that suddenly sensor size did not matter and GFX will die. And despite all their death predictions, here we are, alive, healthy, and strong. Maybe too strong, as the only real problem Fuji has at the moment is to deliver what people order. 88 years of Fujifilm, 10 years of X-Mount, 5 years of GFX. And trust me, Fujifilm intends to celebrate all this in a big way. Don't miss the Mega X Summit in May of 22. Well, before that, all the rumors here on Fuji Rumors, we have something exciting to tell you. So be sure to follow Fuji Rumors for all the latest news and announcements. Next up, new Lightroom Mega Masking Masterclass by Fujifilm ex-photographer Piet van den Eind with limited time early bird discount. 
Uh, he has over 10 years of experience in Lightroom training. He has now launched his new Lightroom Mega Masking Masterclass, a two-part live webinar running February 7th and 9th about the new masking features in Lightroom. For those who can't watch live or those who want to re-watch it, Piet will also include a downloadable and streamable recording, and there's a pack of masking presets as well. The whole package sells for an early bird rate of $29.95 plus applicable taxes, if any, instead of the regular $49.95 until February 1st. You can check out all the details below, and he does have an accompanying YouTube video. Next up, Fujifilm Instax Mini Evo pre-order at Amazon DE, UK, and Italian, and more. Fujifilm's biggest hit of the last 10 years, the Fujifilm Instax Mini Evo, is now available for pre-order also at Amazon Europe, such as Denmark, UK, Italian, and, of course, at other retailers like Calumet DE. Shipping will start February 1st. You can order the Instax Mini Evo in the U.S. at B&H Photo, Amazon U.S. and Adorama, and in Europe at Amazon DE, Calumet DE, Amazon UK, Amazon Italy, Amazon France, and Amazon Spain. And last up for Fuji rumors for this week, these guys sold their Canon gear to switch to Fujifilm X, and here's why. We're going to tell you two stories. One story of Paul, who sold all of his Canon R gear for Fujifilm X, and the other story of Sarah, who sold her Canon DSLR gear to go Fujifilm X mirrorless. So what motivated them to switch? You can see their videos and read a summary down below. All right, so to give you an example, the Fujifilm X-T4 mirrorless camera in black, body only, has a, currently a $200 instant savings. You can buy that camera for $1,499.95, whereas the Canon EOS R6, which I have, is $2,499. So about $1,000 difference for the camera bodies. Now, if you remember, the X-T4 is Fujifilm's flagship APS-C body, and it is an impressive camera. Now, for Paul, Paul Strobel is a photographer and cinematographer who sold all of his Canon R6 gear to switch over to the Fujifilm X system. As you can see from the video and also read in our summary below, the main reasons for his switch are the Fujifilm colors, hence Fuji's wonderful film simulations. The key here is that since Fujifilm gets the colors right in a way he likes and envisions his images, he has less work to do in post-production, hence simplifying his workflow. As I always say, film simulations are good, not only for JPEG shooters, but also for RAW shooters. When I shot my first wedding, it was a true time saver that I could just load the RAW files and capture one and pick the film simulation that gave me the best mood for that particular scene. With Fujifilm taking care of the colors, I could move on and take care of the rest. And honestly, when I started Paul's video, my first thought was, oh, this video has very pleasing colors. Then, while watching the video, he explained that he is shooting the video with his X-T4 set on Astia, which is my favorite all-rounder film simulation. Fujifilm is a master of colors for over 80 years. The way that Fujifilm cameras capture and interpret colors and dynamic range straight out of the camera body propels his creativity forward in ways that no other camera brand has been able to do. In short, it matches his vision. Fujifilm has 
done something wonderful by building their famous film stock into their digital cameras. Classic Chrome and Astia are his favorite film simulations. You can create great images with any camera as long as you know what you are doing. But it is also very valuable to have a camera that works with you who you are as an artist. He feels Fujifilm cameras work with who he is as an artist. He shot Canon for many years, but he has always felt he had to work a little bit extra later in order to get them to look and really feel the way he had envisioned while he was out in the field. With Fujifilm, he does not need to do that. It's a tool that works with him and gives him the look that he needs and wants straight out of the camera. Fujifilm has massively simplified his photo and video workflow. He also likes the fact that he pauses and slows down, paying more attention to the process of taking images so that the image he gets when he hits the shutter button is what he envisioned in his head. All this together has led to an exponential growth in his skills as a photographer and cinematographer. He is no longer stuck in a, oh, I have to fix it in post mindset. Fujifilm gives him the tools he needs to fulfill his creative vision in the moment. He does not have to work on post so long anymore. He gets what he wants straight out of the camera right there in the field. And that is true. I know that's one of the reasons why a lot of people switch to Fuji X because they're fabulous film simulations. And I've said many times, I love them in my GFX 50R. And I have contemplated switching to the X series myself. But my problem is... I do love Canon, and I think Canon has great colors as well. Yes, you have to do more work in post-processing to get the vision that you saw in your head when you captured an image. But the other big caveat is, being I've shot for Canon so long, I hate that I would take such a beating to sell off my EOS R gear to switch to GFX or X-Series. And then the X-Series lenses aren't cheap, and there aren't many options for third-party lenses, not like there are for Sony. I mean, Tamron's got some beautiful prime lenses and E-mount for Sony that you can get for two and $300 for like a 24 or a 35 millimeter at a really wide aperture. You just can't do that in X-Series yet. I wish you could, because it would make it much more tempting for me. But as far as Sarah, the search for the perfectly balanced system, and here's her story. She kept some Canon lenses because she loves them so much and uses them with the Fringer Adapter Pro 2. She was looking to leave her Canon DSLR for a mirrorless system. She could have gone with Canon, Sony, or any other mirrorless system, but she started photographing using film, and she still sometimes shoots film. With the DSLR, she missed the film-like user experience. She started comparing size, performance, prices, and etc. She realized that Fujifilm is one of the few companies that offers really good image quality, great video specs, and all that she wanted, but with more of a film experience. The film simulations make your JPEGs look like film straight out of the camera, which is magical. She has an X-T4 and is head over heels in love with it. She is so happy with her decision. The first lenses she bought are the XF50 to 140 f2.8 and the tiny xf23 f2 the xf50 to 140 she says is so freaking fast and you can watch both of their videos you can find them on their youtube channels which are in this article in the show notes and i don't blame either one of them like i said fuji does make some extremely fantastic cameras and their film simulations so perfectly replicate their old film stocks. 
that's one of the reasons why I love Fuji as well. I shot, started with film, just like a lot of people out there. I don't shoot film anymore. I've got tons of film cameras that are still 100% operational in my, what I call my camera collection. And I've got friends that still shoot film that are film that are always hitting me up on Facebook. And they're like, hey, man, when are you going to ship me all those film cameras you got? I'll put them to good use. And it's like, nope, not going to part with them because they're my babies. They're my other children, if you will. All right. So now we're going to head on over to Sony Rumors and see what they have for us for this week. First up from Sony Alpha Rumors for this week, new Rockstar 40mm f5.6 to be announced soon. The Chinese company Rockstar will soon announce this new lens. The specs are uh, 0.4 meter close focus distance, black and silver editions, 150 grams and $200 for a price tag. Leica M mount will be released first with the E mount version coming soon after. Not really sure why a 5.6 prime but it is interesting, and it does look like a great little lens, so I have a feeling it'll probably be popular with quite a few people out there. Next up, Sony will release a new ZB-1 similar compact camera in quarter two. The first camera to be announced in 2022 should be some sort of ZV-1 type compact camera model. The camera will start shipping out in quarter two, April to June. I have no specs yet, but it doesn't sound like a successor of the current ZV-1, but more likely a possibly cheaper version. Next up, the Sony 70-200mm f2.8 GM2 reviews at Photography Blog. Quote, it is a step above its predecessor in virtually every regard. Now, you can pre-order this lens for $2,798. Uh, from the photography blog, they tested the new lens and concluded, quote, the FE 70-200 2.8GM OSS is the first ever G-Master lens that Sony has decided to update. And while the original version was itself no slouch, it's clear that this new Mark II edition is a step above its predecessor in virtually every regard. Offering even greater sharpness, more pleasing bokeh effects, faster autofocusing, improved weather resistance, a closer focusing distance, more controls, including the very welcome aperture ring, and a much lighter construction. Sony has really gone to town on making this their best possible 70 to 200 millimeter lens. It delivers outstanding sharpness in the center of the frame throughout virtually all of its entire aperture and zoom range. Distortion and vignetting are well controlled and bokeh is noticeably nicer than on the original. Other than a tendency for exhibiting a little too much flare when shooting directly into the sun, there's almost nothing to complain about and lots to like when it comes to image quality. The Sony FE 70-200 OSS 2 lens offers very fast and reliable autofocusing on the A7R camera that we tested it with, again being noticeably better than the Mark I lens. Although some shooters won't be overly interested, instead preferring to use the camera's control dials, the aperture ring is a great addition, especially as it can be declicked for video recording. We're sure uh, everyone will appreciate the Mark's II weight loss, with Sony somehow managing to make it 29% less than the original, despite being a virtually identical in size. Which leaves the price as being the only real downside of this new lens at 2,600 euros or 2,800 US dollars, is even more than the original version launched at, although the Mark II offers so many improvements that the moderate price hike is justified.
You can still buy the original version, but if you're going to spend that kind of money on a 70 to 200 2.8, please make sure that it's the Mark II that you're ordering. Trust me, you will not be disappointed. And that's from the photography blog. Next up, first surprise rumors about possible Sony camera. I told you a couple of times that for sure this year we will get the A7R5 and the A9 III. Both cameras will be on the market for the second half of the year, only due to the worldwide sensor chip shortage. But last in December, I also started to get some hints about an unexpected new E-mount gear. And now I got the same hint from three different sources. I will share with you what this is all about. Basically, there is a chance that Sony might introduce something different and new. Not a, a successor of an existing camera system. The source didn't tell me this might be, so don't read too much into it for now. The last time we rumored about something new, we got the A7C. That didn't really meet the high expectations. I hope to get more info about this model soon. So what do you think? What new camera should be done by Sony? An A7000 APS-C E-mount high-end camera body uh, with the A7 design? A Nikon Z9-like camera with great ergonomics and built-in grip? Uh, Sony A5 full-frame camera and A5-6-alike body for $999 or a new medium format camera, and you can vote in this post. Now, I highly doubt that Sony's going to suddenly start doing medium format. They're already doing APS-C in full-frame. doesn't make a lot of sense to do cameras in all three formats, so I highly doubt that's where they're going next. Next up, Tokina releases the SZ SuperTele 500mm F8 Reflex. Now, this is also a repeat story, but it's on Sony Rumors, so I posted it again. You can see the official Tokina YouTube video on this lens. Now, remember, like I said before, it's going to go on sale February 18th of 2022. This is a mirrored lens, so it is not a standard 500 millimeter telephoto lens. Keep that in mind. They are great for doing astrophotography, not so great for wildlife. Just so you've been warned. Next up, now in stock, new Pentax K lens to Sony E-mount monster adapter. This can be ordered for $439 at B&H Photo. The adapter is in stock, and there are some accompanying photos. It looks like a really great adapter, and it is one beefy monster for sure. Wow. And last up from Sony Alpha Rumors for this week, Sony Alpha Blog reviewed three unusual lenses for Sony. Sony Alpha Blog published three reviews of rather unusual lenses, the Mitocon 135mm f2.5, the Lens Baby Obscura 16, and the Mitocon 85mm f2.8 1-5x macro. And you can check out all of those reviews in this article in the show notes. All right, that's going to wrap up all the news and rumors for this week. Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group, and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you are in the group, you are free to post your own original work. 
I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, that's going to wrap up episode 218 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcasts. Also, please remember to stop by and check out the Liam Photography YouTube channel. Subscribe to the channel, watch the videos, comment on them, share them out on social media, hit the little bell icon so you can be notified as new content drops. And I will see you all again on Thursday.